Are you looking for a way to dig into your world building for your story? Then I recommend that you check out my world building workbook for fiction writers. Now available. It's at howtowritethefuture.com. Just head on over there, click sign up, put your name and email, and there you go. That workbook will be delivered to your inbox straight away. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to How to Write the Future podcast. The focus of this podcast and the focus of my work is to support writers to create positive, optimistic stories, because when we vision what is possible, we help make it so. And part of that visioning is learning the tools of today that help us become better writers for tomorrow. Welcome back to my conversation with Sarah Elizabeth Sawyer. If you haven't yet, please go back and listen to part one so you'll be all caught up. And then join us here for part two while I continue my conversation with Sarah. Sarah Elizabeth Sawyer is a tribal member of the Choctaw Nation of Oklahoma, and she has written and published 15 historical fiction books with native main characters and has over 275 nonfiction articles on native artists and organizations with representatives from dozens of North American tribes. You can learn more about her in the show notes. Please join us for part two of our conversation, where we talk about accurate representation of Native people in our science fiction and fantasy stories. Enjoy. So one of the questions that you have posed for me to pose to you is, I'm just going to read it as you stated it, because it offers some things that I'm not super familiar with, but maybe you can explain. So you shared with me in the face of potential controversy, like what came out of the movie Pan, where they cast a white woman to play Tiger Lily, and that's not the first time that kind of thing has happened. Why should authors try to include Native cultures in their stories? I didn't see Pan, so I don't know this particular context. Mm -hmm. Right. We're just in such a vicious cycle, it seems like, in our society with Pan. And I have not watched the full movie. I wasn't aware of it until a fellow author, sci-fi author, fantasy author, friend of mine, Molly Reeder, who is into that genre. And actually, she hadn't seen it either, but she had been following the controversy. And she's like, hey, let's talk about this. And so I went and she showed me some movie clips. And I was just like, oh, my. It was very surprising. It was made in 2015. And the actress, I feel bad for her because she received a lot of personal backlash and she said she she really didn't want to play that role. It's interesting in the newest Peter Pan movie, and I'm trying to think of what they've titled that, but they have actually cast a Native woman in the role of Tiger Lily. So they're coming back around once again. So we went from the the animated Disney film with a very highly stereotypical and what today would be considered offensive version of Tiger Lily and the Native people that were portrayed in that to this whole opposite swing around with doing Pan. And they cast a white woman in that role to try not to be offensive. That's why they made that choice. But in doing so, they reverted back to the old Hollywood practices of casting non-Native people or white people in the role of Natives. We're swinging from one end of the spectrum to the other. I like to put it in a way that we were in one ditch and we've jumped the road and landed in the other ditch, but we're still in a ditch. <laughs> Let's get on the, the road of telling balanced, accurate 
uh, respectful stories in that if you're not a Native author, it doesn't mean you can't write about Native people, and it doesn't mean that you should shy away from it. It is a controversial subject, though, and I think a lot of authors are aware of that, certainly a lot of the ones that I've spoken to. The sad thing that I find is there's a lot of fear. Something that I spoke with Jane Friedman recently, I was a guest on her blog, which was fantastic. She is phenomenal. And so I did a post on there and received a whole variety of comments. And she was in there on her LinkedIn page. And she told me, it's like, we don't need fear. Fear doesn't help anyone. We need to have these conversations and tell all perspectives of it and not be jerking to one side or the other and having knee-jerk reactions. So Mm -hmm. you have those that are very adamant that people who not of that culture shouldn't write about a culture. Mm -hmm. And then you have the other extreme of author like, you can write anything you darn well please Mm -hmm. kind of thing because we're authors and we should be able to write whatever we want. Mm -hmm. And I believe there's a balance to that. There's a balance to being able to do both of those because as authors, and this is going to the question of why you shouldn't shy away from including Native people, even though there's controversy around it and you may face that as an author, if you don't include other cultures, you're writing very stripped down, bare. Mm -hmm. If I was only writing about white Choctaw mixed blood woman living in a country town, and that's all I could write about. It would just be a very dull story. We're just not taking our responsibility as writers to educate other people and to just tell them a great, entertaining story that has this diverse, vibrant cast of characters. I'm not saying you always have to have a diverse cast of characters, but we don't need to shy away from it just because there's a controversy. The flip side to that is being careful not to have token characters, so not having that Native character in there in a token role, just so you have a diverse cast. That's what we saw a few years ago, Mm. and now we're to the other extreme of don't write about us at all. So a fellow Native author that I heard about, I don't have a direct quote from her, but it was told to me by another author who heard her say, please write about us. You're in our stories. We want to be in your stories, but in a well-done way. So We don't want to have stories 10 years from now that don't have Native people. That's why I encourage authors to not shy away from that, despite the controversy and fear surrounding the subject. Yeah, very good point. What are some of the key things to keep in mind specifically, especially for those of us who are inventing worlds, whether they're fantastical, fantasy-inspired, or science fiction-inspired, and I'm doing both? What are some key components to think of? like? Speaking of character development, speaking of ways to represent culture that feel wholesome and not a caricature. Yeah. Can you speak to some very specific Mm -hmm. tactical things that novelists can do? I'll go ahead and bring up a couple more examples. So going back to Pan, and you could put in that on YouTube and catch the clips of Pan and Tiger Lily. One of the things that I saw with the tribe that she's from is they created this giant hodgepodge of multiple cultures. It looked like there was some Asian culture in there, Native, there's this African. So it's almost like we're going to blend it so much that no one will be able to say they were stereotyping this culture, they were drawing from this culture. Visually, what I was seeing, it created this vision of chaos, and it was this chaotic conflicting tribe that they were trying to do. So they were trying to be so careful with it, it just came out to be a mess. And so I would encourage authors in world building, you want to think about like how they dressed. Just for quick reference in contemporary terms, we have powwows, which anyone is welcome to attend. There are some protocols that you follow. It's a great place to go and see 
Native cultures and regalia up close. That's just one thing is never call it costume. It is regalia or traditional dress. So thinking about that, thinking about where the people are from, are they agrarian? So a lot of people think of teepees and buffalo. The Choctaw, we were gatherers, we were farmers. And so we were an agrarian society. And often that's reflected in the clothing mm-hmm. that the different tribes wear. So thinking about in your fantasy world of creating it as a whole where it's all in harmony and working together rather than, like I said, what was in Pan, where it's just this disjointed, there's no connections, there's no rhyme or reason, it's just chaos. So thinking about the type of society, were they near the ocean? You talked about California tribes and in Washington State, I've interviewed a lot of Native artists of that way. And the sea and the ocean, that's a huge part of their culture. It's a part of their art. It's a part of their dress. It's a part of who they are. And so thinking about geographically, you're creating this fantasy world. What can you draw from to create this harmonious mm-hmm. world that they're living in? It's a little bit on, on the big picture side. I could say about languages, too. I'll point out The Mandalorian. That mm-hmm. was another one that we assessed that I haven't seen. There was an episode set in this old west town, this wild west town, and you had the marshal and you had this conflict between the people groups, the townspeople, and what were representative, basically like the indigenous groups. So classic setup like that. Mm -hmm. And I think they did a lot of things really well from the clips that I saw. What threw me off just because language and language preservation has been such a big part of the people that I know and talk to is they use a lot of sign language, the quote indigenous people, the warriors, which was fine. We did use a lot of sign languages. It's been overdone. So again, if you're going to use that, find a fresh way to do it. But they also incorporated this grunting almost as part of their language, and it was mixed in there. That just threw me off because indigenous languages are so beautiful and our culture so interwoven in those. And just having that grunting, almost caveman-like in distinction deal. So that was the only thing that I really faulted from the clips that I saw. So just being cautious, again, about stereotypes and things that seem perfectly normal because it's what we grew up seeing on movies and TV shows and cartoons and just really questioning every aspect of that. The more you do your research and do things like hopefully go to Native events or watch them on YouTube, powwows and things like that, those things will start standing out. That's really great. I love what you're saying both about really grounding whatever culture you're being inspired by in the earth, in whatever background those peoples are coming from. In my young adult adventure fantasy, I have In the third book, my character goes out into this area that's basically desert, and I based the culture on the Berber culture, which I had been connected to, and knew people and lived with people and went there. And so I felt okay with using words from that culture and using some things from that culture, but then adding in some other things and making them a desert people and really thinking through, well, if you're a desert person... These are the things you know how to do. This is how you treat your animals. This is how you forage. This is how you set up camp. So that's just one example to really make sure it's rooted. And that for a writer, that requires us to do some backstory and thinking through. And that it's not just this is what they wear just because, but no, that's because of the materials and their environment and the history and all of that. I love that. And language, I love that too. I spend a lot of time as a novelist inventing sayings and words to try and to create a three-dimensionality because just like in our own cultures we have a lot of language that comes from before words don't just well sometimes they come out of the way we mishear or mispronounce but they come from somewhere usually from something 
from a profession or from something that has gone before. I love that level of thoughtfulness. That's really great. And for people to do their research. So you have a class that people can take. Can you tell us a little bit more how your course, a digital course called Fiction Writing American Indians, can help science fiction and fantasy authors and all novelists, because it is geared towards fiction writing, right? How it can help them tell better and more authentic stories. Um, I just had a follow-up about your stories that that you've done and the work you've done on them. Yeah. Do you want to go ahead and address that? Yeah. So I do want to follow up on you, Beth, and the stories that that you're writing and that you're sharing about everyone listening. I haven't read any of Beth's books yet, but just from what I'm hearing, her heart and her research is she's really doing it right. And I just want to tell you, Beth, that I appreciate that. You're one of the authors that I've met, similar to authors that I've met, who just have genuine hearts to get it right in the best way they can, not because they're trying to check boxes or please society or something, but because you genuinely want to tell, one, the, the best story that you can, entertaining, entertain your readers and respect them, and then respecting the cultures that you're writing about. So I just want to give you a Yaku mm. again. Thank you for doing that. Oh, thank you. I love hearing the amount of work you put into your books. Well, thank you so much. And just for a little bit of context, I grew up in a household that celebrated other cultures in terms of music and food and stories. My mom was handed a lot of Native traditions from her grandmother, and my mother also lived in Mexico as a child. And then my father loved history and had studied Italian Reformation Renaissance history, and which is so interesting. I love telling stories, and both of them were avid readers and storytellers. And then I myself have lived abroad three times, in Quebec once and in Paris twice. And I've actually been to the Middle East multiple times in North Africa. I'm a citizen of the world, and I feel like we're all part of the human family, and we all have such beautiful, interesting, challenging sometimes traditions. I was going to say that, too, when people talk about you can only write your own culture. You have so many options to choose from. You don't even have to go outside of your culture. You have so many wonderful things in your heritage. So I just thought that was a neat little tidbit. Of course, we can write about all those different aspects, but you're bringing all of that to your writing and into how you're teaching authors. I just think that's wonderful. And it's fascinating to talk to writers about their ancestry and help them see the diversity that exists mm-hmm. already in their own families. I am deeply inspired by the past. And then, of course, about where we could go as a humanity. Thanks for listening, everyone. That's it for part two of my conversation with Sarah Elizabeth Sawyer. Stay tuned for part three coming next week. See you then. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to my podcast. Your interest and feedback is so inspiring to me and helps me know that I'm helping you in some small way. So write long and prosper. Are you stuck and overwhelmed by world building? Then check out my new world building workbook for fiction writers. Head over to howtowritethefuture.com and sign up for yours today.